0: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume.
3: Just a reminder that you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is the new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app on Apple's app store and make sure you follow me at Chris Mannix to get notified when I go live.
1: Oh,
3: that is the sweet, sweet sound of the Irish national anthem. A sound usually reserved for Irish athletic greats like Conor McGregor, Katie Taylor, and of course, Sergio Mora. The adopted Irishman himself who over 12 largely one-sided rounds <laughs> attempted to will young Jason quickly to victory over Edgar Berlanga last month. It had earned him the endearment of all Irish everywhere. So Sergio Welcome to my motherland. Welcome to Ireland.
4: It's my island, (laughs) as the mad Irishman said in the movie Braveheart. Mannix, you're Irish. You should appreciate that. The fighting Irish, the fighting spirit. I appreciated what I saw in Quigley's performance. And, yeah, man, I mean, I, I may have overpraised them, but when you're a fighter, you must respect. When a fighter's supposed to be blown out of the water, he's already been knocked out before by lesser competition and lesser punchers. Quigley followed the game plan. I may have overpraised him, but as a fighter, I gotta respect that, Man, He fun.
3: won three rounds. Four, in my opinion. Even if you grant that you were you were talking during that fight like Jason Quigley was I even believe you used the word masterclass at one point. No, I didn't say masterclass. No, you, maybe you did. You said- told me. You, I remember this because I have never to bring people behind the curtain. I have never screamed so loudly into the talk back button as I did during this fight, because I didn't want to get into it with you over and over again, but you said, I think after the seventh round, and I use this phrase, "Tame the beast. Tame the beast. He said "Tame the beast. He was down like five rounds to two at that point, but you said that Jason Quigley had tamed the beast.
4: Hey, listen, whenever you're knocking out everyone in the first round, you're a beast, correct? Like Berlanga, 16 straight knockouts, first I'd round. I have done it in four beast. fights, though.
3: Okay. But not
4: in the four fights, because uh level by that opposition. definition,
3: Damon Nicholson tamed the beast. Hey, listen, if you can go the Roma distance. Romer Angulo tamed if, the beast. Yeah, you know what? If you can go the distance. Coceres tamed the
4: beast. If you. Coceres actually did tame the beast. He knocked, he knocked down. down Berlanga and hurt him. 10 more seconds, Coceros would have won that fight. But look, yes, I got ca- a little carried away. I, you got to understand, man. I'm a I'm a fighter and I'm a broadcaster now. So as a fighter, I'm impressed by what I'm seeing, and I gotta give credit to 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 to, to fighters like Quigley. But as a broadcaster, I also gotta you know also gotta check my emotions. Here's so, my
3: problem: you get the equivalent every time you see a fighter that throws a jab and moves a little bit. You get the equivalent of a boxing erection. <laughs> <laughs> because that is how that is how you fought and
4: this show is sponsored by cls ladies and gentlemen blue chew uh
3: no because that's how you fought like you were yeah. one of the best at sticking and moving yeah. using your jab that's how you won the contender became a world champion so anytime you see even the slightest trace of that you get a boxing erection
4: uh, because i respect it whenever i see guys like you know uh, fighters like Brad Solomon, who who I oh, thought God, was doing you're right. well, who's doing Solomon. well against Virgil Ortiz. I got to give him credit. Whenever I, you know I see fighters that are doing well against Triple G, you know I, I got to give him credit. Um, against Canelo, I got to give him credit. It, it it takes a lot to extinguish the power and the and 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 the ferocity of a puncher. And you know, usually guys that don't have power that aren't knockout artists control that better. They know how to deal with that power. So yes, I had to give Quigley some.
3: My only problem with that was I I I never, I never once thought Quigley was going to win the fight. I I thought he was doing. uh, No, but during the fight, I didn't think he was going to win it. Like I thought he was throwing a decent jab, but as soon as the punch numbers came up there, it was like Berlanga. I
4: I never listened to the story of
3: of punch numbers right, they don't but, tell but they a, don't tell a, the full a body story. of evidence but they're a piece yeah, of evidence to a, use
4: it's one piece of the of power a numbers were vastly in favor it's a of tool for, for, for the layman fan to look and say oh wow he threw 400 punches but I mean, fighters don't study copy box numbers and oh, percentages. Oh, they don't, but
3: it, it's a piece of evidence we can use as commentators to... a piece to
4: of evidence you can use as a fighter. I am I know what I'm watching, and I know what it's praised.
3: Well, clearly, you don't know what you're watching because you're way over the top with Jason Quigley. But, you know, it happens from time to time. Listen, I'm the guy that had Billy Joe Saunders up on Canelo when that fight was stopped. So there you go. There we, go. All, we all have our uh, our We're all human, Um We're all human. Um, we were, we're here in San Antonio, and... We were here to see a fight that didn't need copy box numbers necessarily, didn't need judges necessarily. Virgil Ortiz versus Amantis Stanionis, uh, secondary title on the line in the welterweight division. Sergio, this was going to be a rock'em, sock'em robot type of fight. You had two guys that were power punchers, two guys that could finish, two guys that had power late in fights, and it, it was going to be special until Wednesday morning, I should say Thursday morning, when we found out that Virgil Ortiz needed to be hospitalized and he could not go ahead with this fight because of undisclosed issues at the moment while we record this. Uh, we believe it has some connection to the rhabdo illness that Ortiz has been dealing with over the last year and a half. It caused him to back out of his first schedule fight with Michael McKinson. It forced the postponement of this fight back in march um and it seemingly has had something to do with this fight being either postponed or canceled we're not exactly sure so uh i guess right off the bat sergio your reaction to ortiz stanionis a fight that seems snake bitten because this is now the third time it's been called off in the last six months uh your reaction to that
4: times not a charm and sometimes you know certain fights are, are just cursed from the beginning and this is one of them because yes it's a, a fight of the year type fight we know that' actually I was kind of leaning towards thanionis and a lot of fighters uh, that I was listening to a lot of uh, uh, interviews by champions are they're, they're actually leaning towards Stanionis as well. I loved what I was watching in tapes when I was seeing, just the jab, the body punches, how he gets in angles. He doesn't just come straight in aggressively like Ortiz. Ortiz has been evolving as well, you know, with the power jab and the, and, the, and then taking that power jab to the body like he did against Cavalowskis. He was going to need that against Stanionis, but this was going to be a, a serious a, a train wreck of a boxing event and it's a damn shame that it had to get postponed but here's the thing Mannix, and i've been i've been here before i lost my title on the scales i looked like shit when i fought against mosley because i wasn't a, a 154 pounder virgil ortiz is not a welterweight anymore he's not a 147 pounder anymore he was, he's known this for several fights now but you know his youth is, his youth and his hunger and the opportunities that have kept them in that division but this, this rhabdo, I don't know exactly what it is, but I've never heard of it. I've never seen or heard of any fighters suffer uh, through, through this disease or infection or whatever it is. I have in my career seen fighters faint several times i've almost fainted a couple of times lightheaded from making weight right making from weight. trying to make exactly. weight exactly cuz look you know making weight is a science and you have to kind of the when you're young you get away with it but you have to kind of taper down at the right time to hit the mark on that friday before that fight and it's a science and if you don't do it the way that that you've planned on doing it the way that you've been doing it since you were a kid as an amateur it messes with your head it messes with your with your body the way your body reacts and then it ultimately affects, the the. you need that fighting spirit. If you don't have, your head's not in it, your body's not in it, then you're not going to have the confidence, especially when it comes to the second half of the fight where you want to turn it on, but you're like, oh, wait a minute. How's my conditioning going to react? How's my legs going to react? I, may, I might as well just take it easy and and, and risk losing Uh, winning a bad fight than losing a good one and ortiz wasn't gonna be in a good fight so i think it was a right decision for him as a fighter to to postpone this fight once again but in the business sense of it this is a totally different thing promoters hate canceling main events in the last minute because it the fans miss out the network misses out Everyone that enjoys and loves this sport misses out, and it's a bad look, man. I've been there before, and if you do it one too many times, you don't, you don't get the opportunities like you used to get because you, you're not reliable.
3: So you mentioned Rabdo and the mysteriousness around that illness. Uh, people that listen to the Wednesday version of this podcast heard from Virgil Ortiz, who I talked to about a week or so ago uh, in that interview, and I asked him specifically for people that don't know, how would you describe? what rhabdo does to your body. Take a listen.
5: All right. Uh, I'll explain it scientifically. So basically, um, my muscles start breaking down or who, you know, whoever it's happening to, the muscles start breaking down. Uh, it starts like the muscles start secreting or whatever proteins to like your kidneys and your livers. And I mean, you need all organs to survive, but those are like some of the vital ones right there, you know? You know? And uh, for me, it just felt like my my body was shutting down, like my reflexes were were going, my my strength was going, energy levels were going uh just going up the stairs uh like uh, a seven step stairs oh it, it was it was a task I, I would I would literally get like short of breath after doing that, and you know obviously being a professional athlete that's not supposed to happen. And, um, of course, if I I can't get up a flight of stairs without, you know, my breath going away, Hmm. imagine me sparring and and training the way I train, you know, and there was was absolutely no way of me fighting. Trust me, if there was any chance, any sliver of a chance of me fighting uh, those two times, because this happened twice already, I would have fought, but it was impossible.
3: So there's his explanation, Sergio. And, you know, obviously a follow-up to that is, you know, after two bouts of this and having to drop out of two fights, does Ortiz feel like he's got it under control? Does he feel healthy? I asked him that.
5: I feel uh, 100%. Um, I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm mentally and physically just ready.
3: So let's play this out then. There are two ways to look at it. If this is connected to Rabdo, this could be a situation, Sergio, where maybe Virgil Ortiz has to consider retiring. I mean, I know that's a strong statement, but if you're dealing with an illness that has forced you out of fights three times in the last year or so, that you clearly don't have a firm control over if it's connected to the reasons him backing out of this fight, doesn't it become career-threatening? don't you look at that Absolutely. and say you know Absolutely. maybe this guy can't not, continue he's 25 years old not and- only that
4: Mannix, but it's in his head now mm-hmm. so anytime he starts training extremely hard in camp he's going to have that in the back of his head and like i said you know when a fighter starts starts thinking about uh, uh, weakness it enters your your spirit it enters your stream your bloodstream man and 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 let, let's go back on this Rabdo thing if if the, the the little I read about it, proteins getting into your blood, and then that can actually affect your organs. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, that sounds dangerous. It you is. You don't need to be a doctor to know that if anything is in your bloodstream. I mean, when when you get blood taken out, if if a little oxygen is in the needle and gets in your bloodstream, that could be hazardous. I can only imagine, you know, uh, uh, proteins and everything else that that uh, can go wrong. This is above my pay grade, Manix, but it sounds dangerous. And if the, and if Virgil Ortiz felt the, the need to to cancel three times already then yes this is cause for concern not only for him as a human as a fighter but for the promoters giving him this date the people investing in him this is a dangerous situation that it seems that he doesn't have control over so yeah whether you like to admit it or not and say the word retirement if this is going to be a continuing thing hey listen man God may have other plans for you, and your health comes first.
3: Yeah, you know, the reason I believe this is connected to that illness is because I was told earlier in the week, Ortiz was significantly overweight, you know, 7, 8 pounds over that 147-pound limit. And for a guy that young, who has had so long to train, like this wasn't a fight that yeah. was scheduled quickly. I mean, Ortiz hasn't fought since last August. Uh, he has been preparing for this fight for months. For him to be that, and he, you know, you've known him for years now. He's not the kind of kid that screws around. No like he, he works hard, total
4: professional. Yeah, he
3: works hard. It, it, like for him to be that overweight early in a fight week, I mean, and, and I say this only half kiddingly. Like you were overweight going into your fight week, yeah. but that's because <laughs> your fight was sponsored by Caesar's Palace. And, yeah, you know, totally he, different. It's a totally different story altogether. Virgil Ortiz has been preparing for this fight, which is this is his Forest One. in a a way this is his title shot like this is his opportunity to become a world champion to face the toughest opponent of his career like there's no doubt in my mind he was preparing as diligently as you possibly could And to be that heavy that early in the week that tells me something's seriously wrong that tells me something is is messed up on your insides that's this isn't a guy that like has made 147 one too many times like if he came in like 148 like, I'd be like, all right, well, maybe this should be a last fight at 147. Maybe you shouldn't stay at welterweight any longer. But the fact that he's, like, in the 150s at the start of fight week, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Does it to you?
4: No, it doesn't. And and this is where you got to go back to a history of a fighter and the resume of a fighter and what has he done in the past. Uh, Virgil Ortiz comes to perform. He comes to seek and destroy. He's fan-friendly. He's building a fan base. Golden Boy loves him. They support him. Uh, fans love him. He's he's a he, he's a future champ. He's guaranteed. Uh, so it's not like he missed weight. And then you know I've been known to to really get on fighters that that are over two or three pounds because then they didn't even try making mm-hmm. weight. Uh, I guess uh, Javier Fortuna was one fighter that I really got on because he had a history of that, and that was just because of a responsibility and a lack of discipline. This is not Virgil Ortiz. He. Has a passion for fighting and performing. Performing, he'll take he'll take on all comers. He wants to fight Bud Crawford for God's sake. He'll fight anybody. Mm. So you have to believe what he says, and I believe and respect his illness, his sickness. I respect everything that comes out of uh, Team Ortiz. So we got to take him for his word. I don't care if you, you want to play the biggest hater and the, have the devil's advocate and, and, and bring up everything else. No, you listen to that young man because the, the the proof is in the pudding. He's a born fighter and he's struggling with an illness.
3: Brutal break for Stanionis too, who hasn't fought since last April. He was on the uh, Jordanis Ugas Errol Spence undercard. That was back in April of 2022. So he's been off for 15 months. And, you know, I was talking to members of his team in the hotel lobby earlier today, and they were like, look, if if... If it was a weight thing, we would have been happy to fight him at 150 hey, listen, or 152. Man. We just wanted to fight. Hey, Manix,
4: let me tell you There's something. There's a lot of money on the line. Let me for tell you Stanionis. something. I've been on that flip side as well. You know, I was, I was supposed to fight Kelly Pavlik and Jermaine Taylor for a middleweight championship. Both those fights got canceled the week of the fight. Mm. I can only imagine getting canceled the night before the fight. It's mm. so dispiriting. And if it happened already more than one time, three times for Stanley Onis, it. It, it, it's a, it's a waste of money in camp. It's a waste of energy and making weight. It's a, me, it's a waste of mental fo- focus. And these are all things that, that really, uh, they really take it out of a fighter because you never know when that's going to happen again. And when you're in the middle of a camp, middle of sparring, you're like, should I keep going harder or should I just start tapering down now? Cause you never know what's going to happen. I mean, this is a livelihood and, and believe me, man, if it happens more than once, it, you start losing the love and passion for training hard because you know that it can be taken away from you
3: you know they're calling this a postponement but they should just scrap it yeah. uh, i you you can't you can't make another fight with virgil ortiz right now not a high yeah. level fight i mean you, you try know, to,
2: like,
4: you can't put someone through that you know if uh, i thought about this already Mannix, I, I think golden boy should make Stani Onis, alexis Rocha. that's a great fight. that's the fight cuz Rocha has been climbing the ranks. He's been looking great. He's on, he's knocking on a title shot door. He wants to fight Bud Crawford as I didn't well. I don't think of that's a great he's, fight. He's he's ranked highly. Alexis Rocha baby and that should be quickly. Give it tell us, stay onus. listen, stay in the gym. We're going to get you back in maybe, you know, in next month or in the next 2 months. Well, Onis'
3: team was like, we need to fight like next week or 2 weeks from now. We got to get out. Like, huh? you know, our guy needs to fight. He's been training hard for multiple months. He's had multiple postponements. Like, we got to get this guy back in the ring i love the idea of stanionis rocha i mean that's two top contenders at 147 in a you know another really good can't miss type of fight so and we know alexis rocha has no problem stepping in you know when opportunity knocks hell no he's done it before he's done it before
4: and that's what he that's what he kind of lives for so yes give me that fight i will love that fight rocha all right
3: this card's going to go on uh on saturday it's going to be headlined by floyd Schofield, who is getting an interesting opportunity in this fight. Floyd Schofield undefeated 135 pounder. Uh, we called the Floyd Schofield fight a couple of fights ago, Sergio, and he's impressive. Got a lot of skills. I was more struck by his confidence. You know, Floyd Schofield and his father who trains him both believe that he is destined for greatness, that he is the next big thing in all of boxing. He talked about fighting Devin Haney right away. He thought about talking about fighting Shakur Stevenson right away. Um, He's going to be the main event, which is you know an opportunity for him to for him. to headline. So he's going to be able to take take advantage of that. Uh, what do you make of Floyd Schofield? Do you think he has the goods to back up all all that talk?
4: So far, so good. He gives me a, he gives me a, a, a similar impressions of Devin Haney. You know, they were kind of you know uh, destined for greatness. They spoke about you know being a champion uh, a young. Uh, they have all the talent in the world, and they have the look they have that look not only the look but the name you know they have the name you know uh floyd schofield the schofield kid that's what i would call him not the uh, schofield's a gun you know that right yeah, yeah, yeah i go. got it i yeah. like that yeah. so he's a young gun man and i think <laughs> i think you could promote him well um golden boy has something special with him and and um flashes of Devin Haney. that's what i see with him
3: well there'll be some decent fights on the show jojo diaz back in action at 135 marlon esparza in a title unification fight, going for three belts in the 112-pound division. So it will be an interesting show, I think, on Saturday uh, here in San Antonio, Texas. But wish the best for Virgil Ortiz. Before I let you go, Sergio, uh, it was announced on Thursday that we have a heavyweight fight between Anthony Joshua and Dillian White. This is a rematch of a 2015 fight won by knockout by Anthony Joshua. Both these guys have fallen on some hard times as of late. You know, Joshua's got the two losses to Alexander Usyk. You've got Dillian White, who's been knocked out in two of his last four fights, albeit at a pretty high level, Alexander Povetkin and, of course, Tyson Fury. The reason I like this fight is because it feels very win or go home for both guys to me. Like, if Anthony Joshua loses, is he really going to rebuild at 33 no. years old? If no Dillian White way. loses, is he really going to stick around to become a gatekeeper for Jared maybe. Anderson? You, you know, Maybe, but I look, I don't think either one of these guys will not for the money It's likely going to be offered. So it, it feels like a big fight. O2 arena, August 12th, live on DAZN and DAZN pay-per-view, but it, it does feel like to the winner goes the spoils. That is a potential lucrative payday against Deontay Wilder in December or January to the loser, maybe a seat on the couch, the broadcast booth, something, uh, because it doesn't feel like there's many places for the loser to go. How do you look at it?
4: Uh, yeah, it's definitely a winner going home man. for Dillian white, you know, um, He's been here before. He's already been stopped. He's been to the, the, the top, and he's come up short, but he's still good enough to compete with uh, top contenders. He still makes a lot of money, and then he climbs back up. When he got knocked out in 2015, he won, what, 10 straight fights, winning against solid competition. He earned He earned his, his championship fight against Pavekin, got knocked out, came right back, and won. So the guy is great to watch. He has the goods. He has the talent. And in that fight with Joshua, he rocked Joshua. He right, he really hurt Joshua. I think it was a left hook, uh, but he he has a he has, a, he has a, a long reach. He has the power and he can take a big punch. Uh, Dillian White's going to be very dangerous. Dangerous fight for Joshua because both these guys aren't are a shell of what they used to be. And I tell you all the time, once a fighter gets knocked out, and they get chinny from there on. So expect both these fighters to get chinny as soon as they get touched by something big and something big will land these guys are just too damn big at six foot four plus and 250 plus for them not to hurt each other so it might not be the the heavyweight bonanza fight that you want you know with with all the, the great names that are heavyweight but you're still going to watch. I think it's the you're best. You're still going to
3: watch. It's probably the most the best, most makeable fight out there for both Damn these right. guys. I mean, Damn right. it, we're thinking about it and talking about it in the U.S. In the U.K., it's a big fight. It's going to sell out O2 Arena. That's going to do a good number mm-hmm. on pay-per-view. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bad blood in the weeks leading up to it. Those two guys do not like each other one bit. So I think it'll be interesting in that respect. I think it'll be interesting, as you said, in the ring because – both these guys are kind of still open to the exact same shots that hurt them the last time. Like exactly AJ against shots. Dillian White, won in 2015. AJ got shook by a big left hook from Dillian White. That's the same punch or kind of the same punch Andy Ruiz hit him AJ with. Punch, yeah. And AJ has been hit with that shot, you know, a couple of times since then. Meanwhile, Dillian White still gets hit by every uppercut in the books. So AJ is still going to have that available to him. I think it's a, it's it's high drama at least in that fight. They're not the same level of skill. That they were back in 2015. They both got a little bit more, a little bit more room, worse for wear over the last few years. But little long in the tooth. Little long man. in the tooth. Good. Go. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, but I think it's a good fight, and and I, I like the fact that that AJ's taking it because I think AJ needs another fight with um, with his new trainer Derek James. And for Dillian, where else is he going to go? Like you know, the, the, there's only so many Jermaine Franklins you can fight before you need to get that big fight. And it was obvious that that a Wilder fight wasn't going to materialize another Andy Ruiz fight was going to materialize. AJ was that fight for him and that's a big domestic fight over in the UK. So
4: yeah, it is and uh, like I said, people are going to watch because they're they're just two big punchers and they're both susceptible to getting knocked out. Someone will get knocked out in that fight and who doesn't like to see a heavyweight, you know, knockout uh, whether it's Joshua or it's an upset with White. Uh, you're going to watch something, you know, uh, uh, we're going to expect a knockout and we're going, to, we're going to watch that.
3: All right. Well, we will be back on Saturday in San Antonio, AT&T Center. No Ortiz, Danny Owens, but Floyd Schofield will be in action. Sergio and I will be ringside on DAZN. Adam, on the way out, give us a little dropkick Murphys for our favorite Irishman, for the new man of the motherland, Sergio Mora, adopted Irish. We love you there, man. Come it's visit us in
1: my
4: island!
1: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win.
0: Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff died back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff...